Well, good morning, Generations Church. I am honored to be with you today. Um, Pastor Josh asked me to, to fill in and speak for him today, and I am I'm excited. There's something God has in my heart. Um, if you're not familiar with me yet, uh, my name is Matt Cook. My wife and I have a joyful family uh, marriage and family ministries. We've been going to uh, here at Generations Church for the last uh, several weeks. Um, and we're teaching a class on Wednesday night on marriage and family, and we're just excited. God's up to some some awesome things that we get to be a part of, and we've met so many amazing people here at Generations that are just, it's really fun uh, to be involved with what God's doing here. And so uh, let's just jump in there, uh, jump into God's Word, and uh, hopefully I have a message today that will give you encouragement and give you hope and uh, just help you live God's best uh, what He has for you. And so let's start off with prayer. Lord, I thank you for today. Lord, I thank you that you are a real God, a God who is alive and powerful. And Lord, that the word that you gave us, your Bible, is alive and it's, it, it is relevant and it's not this archaic book, but you are so real to us, Lord, and you have a plan and a purpose for each of us. And I just thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. So every morning I wake up, uh, typically try to get before the kids do. I have six kids. Uh, once the kids start waking up, the house gets a little noisy. Uh, quiet time really isn't uh, an option that early in the morning and so um, I was having my quiet time and God started talking to me about some uh, some storms and how he handled storms and uh, he being Jesus and so if you turn with me um, let's turn to Matthew chapter 8 um, this is a, a very familiar passage but I want to read it just to make sure that we're all on the same page um, and it says in Matthew chapter 8 verse 23 it says, Then Jesus got into the boat and started across the lake with his disciples. Suddenly a fierce storm struck the lake with the, with the waves breaking into the boat. But Jesus was sleeping. Uh, the disciples went and woke him up and shouted, Lord, save us, we're going to drown. Jesus responded, Why are you afraid? You have so little faith. Then he got up and rebuked the wind and waves, and suddenly there was a great calm. And the disciples were amazed. Who is this man, they asked. Even the winds and waves obey him. So let's let's paint the picture, take it out of the, the text and bring it to life a little bit. So um, Jesus got into the boat with his disciples. They were on a mission. Uh, they were with the Son of God. They were with God. And um, they were doing what they were supposed to do. And in the middle of that, on the lake that they were in, um, the way that this lake is, is situated, that it's, it's about 600 feet below sea level with uh, kind of mountains around it. And so... Um, it happened just they didn't start out probably in in the middle of uh, bad conditions but on their way these sudden storms are known to hit uh, this region where it goes from really calm to really not calm and so in this situation the like I said the disciples were doing exactly what they were supposed to be doing they were following Jesus in the middle of their obedience out of nowhere comes a storm that threatens their lives and they woke up Jesus saying Lord save us we're gonna drown so this is a it's a real situation going on here and so that it's an awesome awesome display of the power that Jesus had when he first he scolded the disciples and then the second thing is he, he spoke peace to the storm he rebuked the waves I think another um, part of another gospel says that he spoke peace be still to the storm so the words out of his mouth calmed the storm so I was reading this this passage and I was having my quiet time and I was talking to God and um, there's some things that me and my wife are dealing with with our marriage ministry and stuff and I was just asking you know I, I don't really ask I was like God you know how awesome would it be for you to come down and rebuke this storm that we're facing 
And just in my spirit, I just felt God saying, I'm not going to rebuke this storm. That's your job. And I just started thinking about that. It's like, wow, okay, it's it's my responsibility to to rebuke my storm. But then I started thinking about the gentleman part of God. See, there is this free will component to our, our Christian faith that really defines a lot of time what is successful and what is failure. So if you look back in the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve were given a choice. They weren't mandated to, to serve God. They had the free will to choose obedience or disobedience. Unfortunately, they chose disobedience. So God didn't make us robotic or, or drones or void of free will. That same principle that we celebrate as freedom, we have the right to choose our faith, but that applies to, to the battles we face. So God's not going to walk in in the middle of your situation and just say, you will do this, bam. He won't override your free will. But what he's done is he's giving you the power of God inside you. The Bible says that actually it says, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in, in us, dwells in me. And so the, the part of God that we have to understand is the power of God that raised Jesus from the dead, the power of God that Jesus used to speak to this life-threatening storm is inside of us. So he's not going to rebuke our storms. He's given us the power to rebuke that storm for uh, through him. And so I started thinking about that and really starting to, to kind of focus, okay, what does this mean? Um, how does this apply? Because if, if you're around me much, I always like to, to understand the why or the how. I want to know the nitty-gritty. I want to understand how does this really work? Because if I'm going to make it apply to my life, i got to know these things. And so God started talking to me about the deposit of God that is inside of us and um, how that works. And so I want to turn to Acts chapter 3. And here's a, here's a good example um, of what this looks like and how this translates in, into our everyday life. And so Acts chapter 3, this is right after the, uh, the day of Pentecost where the Holy Spirit comes down. Um, you start seeing Peter and the disciples start, you know, fulfilling the mission of going into all the corners of the earth and spreading the gospel. But there's this one story that stands out. So it's Acts chapter 3, verse 1. It says, Peter and John went to the temple one afternoon to take part in the three o'clock prayer service. As they approached the temple, a man lame from birth was being carried in. Each day he was put beside the temple gate, and the one called the beautiful gate, so he could beg from the people going into the temple. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for some money. Peter and John looked at him intently, and Peter said, Look at us. The layman looked at them eagerly, expecting money. But Peter said, I don't have any silver or gold for you, but I'll give you what I have. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, of Nazareth get up and walk. And so again, let's look at this. So Peter and John were going to pray. They were just going about their life, um, going to do what, you know, what they felt was their not obligation, but doing what they were supposed to do. They're following God. And they encountered this man that was put there. This is a lame man. He'd been lame. I mean, it says um, he'd been lame from birth. So he had spent his entire life struggling. And so what that man thought he needed was, was money because he was trying to just buy food and just live. And he ran into Peter and John who had something more than money. And I think what's interesting is that that one phrase when Peter said, look at us, Said I don't. Um, in this translation, I love the way it words it. Says I don't have any silver or gold for you, but I'll give you what I have. 
in the name of Jesus Christ, get up and walk. And so God starts talking to me about, you know, if we go back to the, he won't rebuke our storms. But he's given us the authority to rebuke those storms through his power. And so look at Peter and John in this situation. Peter and John had been filled with the Holy Spirit. They, they knew the power of God. They had experienced the power of God. They had walked with, with God, with Jesus. They saw the miracles. They saw the feeding of the 5,000. They saw Jesus walking on the water. They saw Lazarus being raised from the dead. So they experienced the power of God. Then they saw that same power start manifesting through them. So they, they knew. It. You, you couldn't convince Peter that Jesus wasn't the Son of God. He had this conviction that came from the inside out. And so it's, it's interesting that as, as humans, we're like sponges. And what's inside of us whenever it's, we're squeezed or we have pressure comes out. And if you've ever been around someone and they, um, especially if they're trying to hang a picture and they have the nail up and they hammer the nail and they miss and hit their thumb, you quickly find out what's inside someone whenever that, that first instant, that, that reaction um, is either, oh my gosh, I just hit my hand, I'm, you know, Lord, help me, or some words that you won't want to repeat that, you know, that are four-letter words and stuff. And that's, that happens in so many situations. Um, right before a car, wreck, you, a car wreck, you either cry out, God help me, or you cry out some four-letter word thinking, oh, that I'm in trouble. And so what's inside of us in moments of pressure and in moments of intense either pain or stress, what's inside of us comes out every single time. And when stress and pressure hits, we rarely have time to run back. I say, okay, I'll be back in three hours. I need to go pray. I need to go read my Bible, and I'll, be, I'll come back. Most of the time, those situations involve an immediate response or at least um, at least lead to an immediate response. And a lot of times, that immediate response dictates the course of action that we have to deal with. And so in Peter and, and John's example, they ran smack into someone who needed something from them. Their immediate response was, I don't have money, but I got a God inside of me that's, that's really going to give you what you really need. Because that, that lame man, money would have helped him, but healing transformed his life. And so if you look at the way that this works for us, so this this Bible, God's Word, God's Word is it is alive, it is transforming, it is powerful, it is relevant, it is so necessary. And if I want to have a godly response, and I face a storm, and I'm either going to rebuke the storm in Jesus' name, or I'm going to curse the storm in someone else's name, that response is dictated by what I put inside of me. It says in Luke chapter 6, um, I'm just going to read this, it says in Luke six forty five, a good man brings good things out of the of the good stored up in his heart. Let me start over. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart, and an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. The mouth. I want to repeat this because it's so important. The mouth speaks what the heart is full of. So, when a storm hits, it could be a storm in your marriage. Um, it could be a, a situation to where your uh, your husband or your wife does something that it, that is it it triggers an emotional response in you, or it, that they disappoint you, or they frustrate you, and your immediate response is going to reveal what is inside. When you're you're 
kids do something that they're not supposed to do and they um, whether it's a flat-out act of rebellion or it's an ignorant um, disobedient act regardless that situation immediately reveals what's inside of you um, at work you could have a co-worker do something or you could have a boss mistreat you or you could have someone on the way to work cut you off and there's so many different things that we deal with in life um, you're doing the budget and have some unexpected bills come in and the bank accounts not enough and there's life is full of these moments that reveal what's inside of us because that immediate response I'm either going to rebuke that storm or I'm going to curse that storm and one leads to breakthrough and one leads to miraculous intervention by God one is cursing your situation and the way that it gets there is what is inside of us. And so I, I want to focus on, on on a marriage for a second and just go with me on this. So if you are upset with your spouse and you spend all of your time marinating on what you're upset with and your spouse does something wrong, you've filled your heart and your mind with toxic thoughts about your spouse. And so the moment they do something not right, it immediately, that toxic attitude or whatever it, it just you're squeezed and toxic comes out of you same thing on your kids I, I've been around people that um, had a toxic mentality towards their kids and all they talked about was the negative all they talked about was what you know all the things that their kids are doing wrong well the next moment the kids mess up that toxic comes out of out of them if you have a, you're mad at you hate your job um, you don't like your you're not paid enough you're working too hard your boss is a, is a loser, all of whatever you want to say. The moment something doesn't go right at work, you immediately respond with that toxic. And so the Bible says that we have to take captive our thoughts. So that freedom of choice that we have applies to our thought life. And so I'm going to, as a man, have to make sure that I'm focusing my thoughts on what I find in the scripture. And the way that that works is first, I gotta get my Bible out and I gotta, I gotta read this thing. That's the reason I wake up early um, and have my quiet time when no one else is around because I need what's in this Bible. Um, I won't have the walk with God and I won't be able to be the husband and the father and the man and the, have the marriage and family ministry that I'm supposed to if I don't dig in and I need to find who I am in this word. Because who I am in Christ is a lot more important the situations that I face. So I, I gotta discover this. And as I'm reading this Bible, my mind is, my thoughts are transformed. I start thinking about God's way of doing things. And I start finding out, what does God say about me? And God doesn't define me by my failures or my struggles or my bald spot that this camera shows. Um, I'm more than that. I'm, I'm called, I'm, I'm, I'm anointed. I'm, 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 he's given me gifts and talents to accomplish what he has for my life. And so if I don't know that, I'm always moved by the moment. If, if I don't know that I know that I know that I'm on the right path for my life and for my ministry, the moment it gets hard, I'm going to bail. I'm going to let the pressure dictate what I do. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to respond and I'm not going to rebuke the storm. I'm going to curse the storm, curse the situation. Some people even curse God and I'm going to go the other direction. That's not what we're supposed to do. When that storm hits, we're supposed to rise up and let the good, like it says in... And six, I'll read that again. A good man brings things out of the good stored up in his heart, but an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Or the way that this is phrased, says, the way that the, the, the way that you do that is, I'm sorry, 
sorry, for the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. The mouth speaks what the heart is full of. So, um, another scripture that I'll just read here it says, Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world. This is found in Romans 12, 2. Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. So, do not be conformed. That, that transformed by the renewing of your mind means the way that this works. And I, I've spent the last probably four weeks reading Luke. And I wanted to discover Jesus in the, in the book of Luke and see how he responded to people. And as I found myself, as I was reading and I would take, I would literally read the same chapter several, a couple days in a row or just dig into, okay, I wanted to understand, okay, Jesus, he didn't, he didn't just love everyone. He went after these the outcasts, the unlovely. Um, there was a leper that came up to Jesus, and Jesus, Jesus didn't say, whoa, 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 back off. Jesus reached out and touched, put his hands on this guy that was ostracized by society. Jesus, his heart broke for people. And as I, I found myself, as I'm reading and focusing on this, my attitude towards people started changing. I, I started seeing people more the way God sees them. My mind... Is, is this is what Roman twelve two says, but my mind has been transformed into God's ways and God's thoughts. But then the key part is this, so that I will be able to test and approve God's will. So there are situations that are going to happen in your life, and you're you're wavering. Oh, is this storm from God? Is this storm from the devil? Let me tell you that God inside of you, when it rises up and rebukes the storm, that's rebuking Satan attacking you. It's rebuking the attack or the situation that's threatening your security or your family or whatever. And that God inside you rises up and comes out of you because you've stored God inside of you. And so, no matter what you you face, uh, we have that inside of us. And uh, we have a God that is that is so, he just loves us so much. But we don't know that if we don't get in his word. And Jesus gave us another. It's a great example. Uh, and, and actually, I'll wrap up on this. And then uh, then actually we get to do communion. Uh, I know Pastor Josh mentioned a couple weeks ago that we'd be able to do communion. And I'm honored. Um, uh, I'll be able to lead you guys in communion here in a few minutes. But um, let's turn to, to Matthew chapter 6. And this is probably one of the most well-known passages in the Bible. Even those that don't really know God that much or go to church know the Lord's Prayer, but I want to I want to kind of dig into this a little bit. Um, and it says in Matthew chapter 6, uh, verses 9 through 13, it says, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as, as we forgive our, as we have also forgiven our debtors, Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. It says, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. Jesus was praying God's will. He was praying, Lord, as in heaven, so God is on the throne in heaven, just like any king. Any, any kingdom, the king's culture permeates the kingdom. In heaven, God has absolute power. So what God's will is, it happens in heaven. Jesus is praying this prayer that, Lord, your, let your will be done in my life on earth as it is in heaven. 
And the only way that we understand that, the only way that we understand his will in our situations, in the stressful times, and the pressures of life, is we got to get in this word. And so I want to end by praying this, that the Lord's Prayer over you guys. And the Lord, um, let's just close your eyes. And say, God in heaven, Lord, holy, holy is your name. Lord, your kingdom come. Lord, we ask for your kingdom to invade our homes, to invade our lives, to invade your ways of doing things, your method of doing things, your will. Lord, we just surrender to you and ask that you establish your kingdom and your will in our hearts, our homes. When we're with our families, when we're with our friends, we're at the workplace, we're at church. Lord, we ask that your will be done in our lives. Lord, I thank you that you are a God who gives us our daily bread. You, You... you take care of us. You give us what we need on you know, every day. And you forgive us our, our sins and our trespasses and our, our debts. And Lord, show us how to forgive each other, how to walk in forgiveness. And Lord, help us avoid temptation and trials. Lord, and deliver us from the attacks of Satan. And I thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. So, I just want to encourage you. Um, this is a, a non-shame zone. If you struggle to, to really have that quiet time with God or you don't know the Bible like you want to, just start. Start now. Find a translation that, that speaks uh, that speaks to you. I think this was um, this is a New Living Translation that I'm using right here. Um, I also use the NIV sometimes. There's, there's so many. My wife loves the ESV. Um, find a translation that makes... The, the scripture under understood or easily to understand and just just start small find when I read the Bible I typically don't read four or five chapters I want to read and until I want one thing that I'm gonna just stand out and I'm gonna think about for the rest of the day so I can meditate on it um, I don't try to just exhaustively and some people do God may say hey I want you to read the entire Bible in the next six months great if God says he'll he'll bless that but just start start where you're at. Start small. Don't try to become a Bible scholar overnight. Just understand how much God loves you. If you've never read the Bible before, start in John. And see the love of the Savior. And just start where you're at and let God transform you. Um, and on those notes, or on that note, um, we talked about communion. And um, Luke 22, I'm turning over there. If you're now, now's a good time if you um, if you're at home and uh, you don't have wafers or juice, um, you can be like me. I have a little cracker and I have some Powerade. Um, that's the beautiful thing about communion. It's not reliant on an old school glass of wine or juice and some whatever. You can start with what you're at because the important part of communion. Um, the elements are not as important as the the representation of what those are and the remembrance of who Jesus is. And so, Luke 22, verses 19, um, it says here, and I'm actually going to read it from my notes, it says, um, Jesus took the bread, and when he gave, and we had given thanks, he, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So we have this little cracker and this little cracker represents uh, the the brokenness of our savior if if 
you've not studied the, the the crucifixion process or maybe seen a movie like The Passion, Jesus' body was ripped apart and broken. But he did it for me. He did it for you. And he gave up his body willingly so that we could have eternal life with him. And so when we look at this little cracker and we break it, like it says um, that Jesus did, we understand that his, that represents Jesus' body being broken for us. And so if you have that, um, break that bread, take that bread in and just understand that it's, this is a symbol of the love, the incredible love of a Savior. And it says that um, likewise a cup after they had eaten, he said the cup that is poured out for you is a new covenant of my blood. And I don't know how many songs are written about the blood of Jesus. There's power in the blood. The redeeming power of the blood. I mean, there's so many... Let me tell you, there's this, there's scripture after scripture because his, his blood cleansed us. And his blood, it redeemed our sins. And so when we, we take, in my case, Powerade, or that juice or water, whatever you have, understand it represents the precious, precious blood of a, a spotless lamb that did only he could do and redeem humanity. And so take your take your drink and drink with me. And let's pray. Lord, I thank you so much for who you are. I thank you for a Savior willing to sacrifice like the Bible says in Ephesians, while we were dead in sin, in the middle of our mess, in the middle of our brokenness, in the middle of our flaws and failures, that you loved us so much you went to the cross. You let your body be broken and your blood be spilled for a humanity that didn't deserve you, but that's what grace is about. And I thank you for that. And I ask that every home that's joined us in communion, Lord, that you make, the, make yourself known to them as that you are that Savior. And you didn't just go to the cross for nothing, but you did it for them. You did it for me. You went to the cross just for me. You let your body be broken and your blood be spilled just for me. And I thank you for that. I thank you for what you've done in Jesus' name. Amen. So again, thanks for joining me this morning. Um, and Pastor Josh will be back next week. Uh, and then you guys have a great day.